the stories. Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. Welcome to The Art of Significance with your host, Hall of Fame speaker, New York Times bestselling author, university professor, gold record songwriter, and award-winning athlete, Dan Clark. Get ready for engaging discussions with some of the most influential people in the world who will impart their wisdom, stories, and inspiration on why and how to achieve the level beyond success. Now here's your host, Dan Clark. Welcome. Oh my gosh, what a great weekend. Memorial Day weekend. And it definitely was not a celebration. Memorial Day is an experience. And uh, we didn't just celebrate it. It's not about the sales at the stores. It's a sacred holiday that forces us to pause and reflect on those who gave their lives for our freedom. So because we're one day past the official Memorial Day and the thoughts and memories of our loved ones, especially our military comrades who gave it their all, because those memories and that experience from yesterday and the entire weekend is still in our our mind, I want to reflect on that and I want to focus all of our uh, discussions today, especially the interviews with our three, four actually today, special guests about the influence that they're having on the world and the reasons why we're willing to give our talents and our time and our effort and if from a military perspective, our lives if necessary so that freedom rings and that we're all uh, given the opportunity to fulfill the full measure of our of our destiny. As is standard for my show, you know I have a twisted sense of humor and so far each of my shows has had uh, a beginning with a joke. I've begun each of my shows with a joke or at least something that gets us to laugh or smile. In this case, let me uh, point out the significance of how many of us are walking the halls of life as hypocrites. And I'm not pointing the finger. I know I'm a walking contradiction in many aspects of my life, which I'm constantly working on to make sure that I'm exactly the same on stage as I am off stage, the same off stage as I am on stage, the same at work as I am at home. And I know that's all of our goals. May I share the story? A preacher is in the middle of his sermon in a very posh, upscale, Upper East Side church. When the back door of his church slams open, And in walks a homeless man with tattered, dirty, ripped up clothes. He smells very badly. And he's got a worn out Bible underneath his his elbow. And as he walks up the, the, the middle aisle of the church, visualize him sitting down in a pew. And as he sits down on the bench, all of these posh, pompous windbag, upper east side wealthy people scoot away. They protect their children from this homeless gentleman. They hold their noses and they scowl at him in disgust. And after the preacher finishes his sermon, Saving Souls, he beelines it down to the homeless man and he says, hey, uh, you know, welcome, but look around this church. It's a very posh, wealthy church and we have a dress code here. So before you ever come back again, I need you to ask a God. I need you to pray to God and ask him what you should wear in our Upper East Side Church. The homeless man says, I will. 
and he leaves the church. The very next Sunday, as the preacher stands up to start his sermon, the same homeless man comes in through the back door, slides into the same pew, and as he sits down on the bench, the pompous windbag um, elite church members scoot away from him, holding their noses and again scowl at him and stare him down like, what are you doing here? And before the preacher even begins to talk, he beelines it to the homeless gentleman and he says, hey, don't you remember our conversation from last week? I told you that in an Upper East Side posh church like this, we have a dress code and you needed to ask God what you should wear at a church like mine. The homeless guy looks at the preacher and he says, yeah, I did ask God what I should wear in your church. And the preacher says, and what did he say? The homeless guy says, well, God told me that he didn't know what I should wear in your church because he's never been here before. (laughs) Yeah, hypocrites. Way too many people in our world are hypocrites. And the the hypocrisy tied into Memorial Day is very, very interesting to me, where we love our freedom, but then we take it for granted. We want everything, but then we want somebody else, including our government, to give it to us. And I want to make sure we pay tribute to our military men and women who have given it all, sacrificed their very lives so that we can be free. And not to confuse Memorial Day with with Veterans Day, let me just give you a quick background. Memorial Day is a federal holiday in the United States for remembering the people who died while serving in the country's armed, armed forces. The holiday, which is currently observed every year on the last Monday of May, was held on May 30th from 1868 to 1971, first called Decoration Day, and it marks the start of the unofficial summer vacation, while Labor Day marks its end. And obviously, many people visit cemeteries and memorials, particularly to honor those who have died in military service. And obviously, as we visit our cemeteries, one of the greatest sights that always brings tears to my eyes are when the many volunteers place an American flag on each grave in our national cemeteries. And as I said, Memorial Day is not to be confused with Veterans Day. Memorial Day is a day of remembering the men and women who died while serving our country, while Veterans Day in November celebrates the service of all military veterans. May I share a personal experience? I was traveling to Chicago on business. And as I settled into my seat on the plane, a Marine sergeant was invited to sit in the first class seat across from me. The sergeant was sitting tall and proud in his uniform and was holding a folded American flag. I turned to the Marine and inquired if he was heading home or heading out. Neither, he answered. I'm escorting a soldier home. I'm going to pick him up, I asked. No, the Marine answered. He is with me right now. He was killed in Iraq. I'm taking him home to his family and presenting his flag to his mother. The realization of what the Marine had been asked to do hit me like a punch to the gut. It was an honor for this Marine to do this. He told me that although he did not know the fallen soldier, he had been the one who had delivered the sad news of his death to the family and felt as if he knew them after the many conversations that they had shared in the last few days. 
I leaned across to him, extended my hand and said, thank you. Thanks for doing what you do so that my family and I can enjoy peace of mind and be free with security and safety to do what we want to do. Upon landing in Chicago, the pilot stopped short of the gate and made the following announcement over the intercom. I'll never forget it. Ladies and gentlemen, we have had the honor of having Sergeant Seeley of the United States Marine Corps join us on this flight. He is escorting a fallen comrade who was killed in action back home, so his back home to his family. I ask that you remain in your seats when we open the forward door to allow Sergeant Seeley to deplane and receive his fellow soldier. We will then turn off the seatbelt sign. Without a sound, all went as requested. As I watched out my window, I saw the sergeant saluting the casket as it was brought off the plane. There wasn't a dry eye on the aircraft as everyone who witnessed the sacred and intimate display of duty, honor, love of country, and reverent devotion to service above self felt proud to be Americans. This sacred experience continued to change my attitude and behavior toward our brave servicemen and women forever. It has changed the way I think about the flag and all that it stands for, which consequently has also changed the way I say the Pledge of Allegiance. You know, I proudly live in Utah, and I'm a huge, giant Utah Jazz NBA basketball fan. I'm not here on the air to slam anyone. What I am on the air to do is to uplift us and to elevate our consciousness about the significance of our freedom and especially the significance in the ways in which we honor our flag, which honors our men and women who have given the ultimate sacrifice and laid their lives down so that we can be free. In the NBA All-Star Game, at the beginning of the game, one of the great pictures that you can Google and look up on the internet is a photo of all of those NBA All-Stars standing shoulder to shoulder during the Star Spangled Banner, during the singing of our national anthem. And the only NBA player standing in attention with his hand over his heart, paying tribute and respect to our flag and especially to our military men and women who have died in the service of our country was our own Utah Jazz superstar, Mr. Hayward. Let's keep that in mind as we honor our troops, as we specifically pay attention to those who have given it all during this experience we call Memorial Day weekend. I hope that by the time we finish this show today, that no one will ever allow themselves to be a hypocrite again. Before we get a, go to break, let me let you know about this show. I've got back this Grammy Award-winning songwriter, superstar, and dear friend of mine, Monty Powell, with his writing partner and wife, the amazing Anna Wilson. They'll be in our first two segments, as usually we as as we usually take uh, to to talk about the influence that music has on our lives. Followed by Monty, or following Monty and Anna, will be a dear friend of mine, an Olympic silver medal winner the 2002 olympic games he's going to tell his amazing story coming from the streets and 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 the the gang infested neighborhoods in which he lived to become an olympic hero and then because memorial day gives us reason to reflect back on the legacy that we leave 
You know, my dad battled cancer for six and a half years and two months before he died, he brought all of the family together and he said, what are all of you learning from this? My dad was about leaving a legacy and he taught me the goal is not to live forever. The goal is to create something that will. And so our final segments will be an interview with my dear friend, Ernie Hewlett, who's a financial advisor to superstar athletes and who will help us as listeners know where to begin at the beginning, become brilliant at the basics so that we can uh, understand how we take care of our finances, set up a retirement plan, and obviously do what is necessary to leave that legacy, which is what part of our message from Memorial Day is all about. Let's go to commercial break, and you don't want to go anywhere. We'll be back with Monty Powell and his amazing, talented wife, Anna Wilson, which proves true that every male can actually overmarry. I'll be back in a, come back to me in a moment. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop Dan a line via email to danclark at xmission.com. Now back to The Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Welcome back. Dan Clark, Voice of America, Influencers Channel with my guest, Monty Powell. For those of you who have been tuning in, Monty was my guest a couple of weeks ago. He's a Grammy Award-winning songwriter, dear friend, humanitarian, unbelievable. Let me just quickly read a little bit of his bio. Monty Powell is one of the most successful songwriters in country music history with over 60 million records containing one of his songs with Keith Urban, Lady Antebellum, Rascal Flatts, Tim McGraw, Brooks and Dunn, Chris Cagle, James Otto, Jody Messina, Chuck Wicks, and Diamond Rio. 
In his 30-year career, Monty has won CMA Album of the Year for producing Songs of the Eagles in tribute to Merle Haggard, nominated for Country Music Association Song of the Year for Keith Urban's Tonight I Want to Cry, named CSAC's Country Songwriter of the Year, won the CMA Triple Play Award for penning three number one songs in the same year, and then he received a Golden Globe nomination for Best Song in a Motion Picture called For You, which is what I want to talk about. It's in the it's the theme song from the 2012 movie Act of Valor. Monty, you've done it all. And then the most intriguing thing that I know about you that I've watched for all these years that we've been great friends is how much you give back, that you've worked so hard, so hard to perfect your talent as a musician, as a superb, extraordinary premier songwriter. But deep down inside, it's like your motivation has always been to increase the size of your platform so you can give back to a larger degree. Can you talk a little teeny bit about about Alzheimer's and about this show that you conceived and produced when you invited your superstar friend and co-writing partner, Keith Urban, to join you down in Atlanta? Can you just tell us a little bit about how that began, how that came about the significance of how much money you 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 actually were able to raise and the awareness that you brought to Alzheimer's. Absolutely, Dan, and thanks for having me back on. Uh, you know, if you can't give back, there isn't really any use in even doing it. You know, the whole point that you're talking about with leaving your legacy and leaving a mark and giving people a hand up, uh, none of us got here by ourselves. And so to me... I think it's so important to, you know, once you take a step up, instead of looking at the next step up, take a few minutes to look at the step below, see who you can pull up there with you, you know, so that you can all kind of go up together. And um, the Alzheimer's uh, Foundation event that I did with, with Keith and my wife, Anna, who we'll talk to later, you know, it came about, unfortunately, because my father had early onset Alzheimer's. He was diagnosed at 57 years old. Oh, wow. I turned, I turned 56 on Thursday. Mm. So to think that that's not on the top of mind. Um, and, and he was, uh, and he was dead by 66. So I lost my father early to this horrible disease and it was just as terrible and, and horrible as, uh, as we all know, those episodes can be not only for the person who is ill, but for the caregivers. And so um, after he died, I really wanted to try to do something to help give back to the people, particularly at the Georgia chapter uh, of, of the Alzheimer's Foundation. <clears throat> and so um, we did this event called Better Start Living, which is taken from the song that you played last week, called uh, two weeks ago, called Days Go By. It says you better start living right now. Uh, because we don't know, you know, what our Earth clock is. We have no long, uh, no idea how long we're going to be here. And so, we uh, we filled up the Cobb Arena Center in uh, in Atlanta with uh, 2,700 people. We raised 350 thousand dollars in a couple of hours. And Keith flew in from Europe specifically to play this benefit, and it was amazing because his plane was a a little delayed and I had to go out and start the show and 
about a third of the way through, you know, I got a nod from on stage that Keith was there and he came out and we started playing together and, and doing this stuff, but we had not even seen each other. We hadn't even talked backstage. He literally walked out onto the stage, <laughs> we picked up our guitars and we just started doing what it is that we love to do so much. Well, let me just interrupt there. In other words, wouldn't it be a shame if opportunity comes your way and you're not prepared to take advantage of it? So that's part of the influence that we need to have is that we continuously prepare and prepare and prepare. In other words, life is a bank. We deposit, deposit, deposit. And when it's time for us to withdraw, it's amazing how people and resources start to surface. Do you agree? A hundred percent, you know, because it was so easy for Keith to say yes to that request. He gets a thousand requests, but because of the mutual work and love and respect that we have been depositing on behalf of each other over the years, uh, when I said, man, I, I, I really need you here on this night to do this. And it wasn't even a question. It was like, of course, I will be there. Just tell me what I need to do. Wow. Maybe the listeners need to be reminded. I know I do. You just reminded me that Maybe the conversation isn't always about what can I get from you. It's how can I serve you? How can I help you be better uh, so that we all leave saying, I like me best when I'm with you. I want to see you again. That's the impression I've always been given from you and your lovely family, whom I love and adore, your daughters, your wife. Everything about you seems to be give, 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 uh, Monty, and I just honor you. I'm so glad you're here. Let's change the channel here. You co-wrote a song with Keith Urban for the magnificent movie, the 2012 movie called Act of Valor. Because we're coming off of Memorial Day, will you tell the listeners how that song came about, how you were asked to write a song or submit a song to this movie, and then we're going to play that song for the listeners so they can listen to the, the words. And please tell us the story behind this song, brother. Well, the producers of the movie reached out to Keith, and they wanted him to do the end title song. That's the big song, the theme song that plays over the credits and stuff as it rolls. And Keith immediately picked up the phone and called me and said, Monty, this is definitely something that you and I need to collaborate on. And so the producers sent us a rough cut of the movie, didn't have any music, and I watched the movie in silence, which is a really interesting uh, proposition, by the way. No because it's a movie no about anything. Navy. It, because it's a movie about Navy SEALs and their extraordinary uh, courage, right? It's a it's a movie that actually starred as the actors active Navy SEALs, which is the first time that any active military have ever been sort of allowed to be portrayed in a movie. So when you saw the scenes, the training, the fighting things that they were doing, it was in fact real Navy SEALs that were carrying it out. And wow. uh, all the branches of the military have said that it is the most realistic battle scene ever filmed because it was actually the guys that were doing it. I so, love it. So how did the song come the about? Yeah. Yeah, we watched the movie and then he and I got together and I'm going to tell you, Dan, and you, you, you know me really well, this was a tough one. This was a tough one for us. We, we kind of just looked at each other for a couple of days and didn't really have anything, you know, because, I mean, nobody's pro-war, right? Um, yeah. And yet at the same time, we want to 
uphold the, the memory and the service of, of, uh, of our great special operation forces. And yet I'm kind of watching this movie, and as misguided as the folks on the other side of it are, they got families and, and stuff too, you know. And it just, we were kind of not sure exactly how to approach the song. Um. And then on the third day of kind of fooling around with some ideas, I had an idea and I looked at Keith and I said, you know what? How about if we wrote this song from the perspective of an American SEAL who has been dead for 30 seconds? And I don't think it gives anything away to the story. Everyone knows these types of things happen, but one of the SEALs dies on a grenade to save his buddy and winds up giving his life. And that, that choice in that moment, you know, he's got a pregnant wife back home and he's got a buddy right here beside him. And I said, what if we write it from the perspective of this soldier who's just given his life? His soul is rising through the ceiling and it hasn't even departed the room yet. And he's looking down and he's saying, did I make a good, this is a good choice, right? Did I, did I do the right thing? And so that's where the notion of for you, the song came from, and it asked the question, if you look at your hand, who are the people that you'd be willing to take a bullet for? I think we lost Dan for a minute, so I'm going to just let you guys know how important it was for us to speak to some of the special operation forces guys. They wrote us letters. They told us uh, their stories, and we incorporated as best we could some of their thoughts and their feelings about what happens when you get in a situation where you're choosing this sworn duty that you are going to uphold and to put yourself at risk when you've got a family back in the States. And uh, it gave us a really interesting um, sense of purpose for the song. And it has basically been adopted by the SEALs and the Special Operation Forces uh, as one of the songs that they, they really call their own. We've had a chance to perform it for... Uh, tons of different uh, events and for lots of groups of people. Well, that's good. So let's uh, let's go. I think we uh, we had a little technical difficulty there. I hope our listeners are still uh, listening to you talk. As uh, I know you're there. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm here, and Dan, you know me. I don't have a problem talking. So <laughs> I know I love it, man. I should just we should talk about that before we go on the air because you know in three weeks this is going to be your show anyway. I'm just going to be glad to be on your. <laughs> On your network, let's go to the performance of this amazing, this amazing song for you. I just I tear up, and I want the listeners to go and 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 you know pull up pull up Active Valor on Netflix so you can actually remember this story, this experience that we just heard from you, Monty, the songwriter, and then put it in context with this amazing movie, Active Valor. Uh, let's let, let's roll it. I can't wait for everybody to hear these words. Listen intently to the lyrics and just see how you can visualize why you wrote this song the way you wrote it.
Awesome, awesome, awesome. 
Holy cow, what a song for you from the movie Act of Valor. Let's go to commercial break. I'm Dan Clark, Voice, uh, voiceamerica.com, the Influencers Channel. My guest is Monty Powell, Grammy Award-winning songwriter. We're coming back with Anna Wilson. Jazz has a new it girl. You don't want to miss this. Talk to you in a second. stories be motivated be inspired join us today voice america influencers become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. it's easy and best of all it's free start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top once you've created an account and signed in you can create your own custom library opt into our newsletter Search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Influence is often inherited, but more often created from our actions. The Voice America Influencers Channel brings together those who are creating and leading the way and those who will create the road from nowhere in the future. Being an influencer isn't always about being the most important person in the world. It's about being the most influential person in the world around you. A better manager, a better friend, a better marketer, or strategic planner. The Voice America Influencers Channel is about becoming better and earning influence. Be an influencer. Join us today. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You're listening to The Art of Significance featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop Dan a line via email to Clark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I want you to contact me at danclark.com. That's my website. Click on Receive Free Gifts and Training. Join my tribe. And we will keep in touch. I believe, as you all believe, we become the average of the five people we associate with the most, which means we must be willing to pay any price and travel any distance to associate with extraordinary human beings, not just in person, but obviously online and on the internet. And because of that reality, that truth of all truths, we must be willing to pay whatever we need to pay to download songs to keep in touch with superstar celebrities who coin phrases and put into songs our thoughts and feelings. And there's no better people on the planet who can capture what we think and what we feel in music than Monty Powell. 
and his beautiful and talented writing partner and wife, Anna Wilson. How are you, Anna? I'm great, Dan. It's good to be here. You're so you're so awesome. I want the listeners to know a little teeny bit about you. Jazz has a new it girl. Anna Wilson is finally fading, fading fast into view to quote the Jazzbird songbird uh, Chantus and the poignant lyric from her upcoming single, which is already out now, Polaroid. Here's what I want yeah, well, you to know. Oh, go ahead. So, so I was going to keep reading. You want me to keep going? I mean, I got, I got like pages. Okay. After recording, <laughs> after recording five studio albums, becoming the queen of the jazz vocal duet on her critically acclaimed Countrypolitan Duets album, achieving status as an award-winning ASCAP songwriter whose works appear on over 7 million RIAA certified records and lending her philanthropic spirit through music in her partnership with Habitat for Humanity International. This dynamic and diverse songbird has much to sing about. So I didn't mean to interrupt you there, beautiful Anna, but your new album, Jazzbird Songbird, which came out on Transfer Records in 2015, is a modern-day approach to old-school record-making. When albums were created as a complete thought and experience for the listener from beginning to end, I could go on and on. Anna, welcome to the air. Welcome to the show. And I'm glad you're not close to, to, to Monty, who would obviously distract you with his charm and, 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 and handsomeness. <laughs> well, thank you for that amazing uh, introduction. Wow. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about much. tell us a little bit about you. I want to know when you discovered that you had this ability to take an entire experience and 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 distill it into a three minute and forty to five minute song. Well, you know, I think that that came. Uh, when I was about 17, 18 years old, I was about a senior in high school, and um, I wanted to uh, move to Nashville and learn the art and craft of songwriting because I knew that songwriters and songwriting was king down there, and I figured that'd be the best place to kind of learn. But I was starting to work on my own, you know, little songs right before I left for Nashville, um, and uh, I would say that that was the time period when. It, I really got the calling to be, you know, that songbird that you talked about. <laughs> yes, ma'am. And how you found your real voice in jazz. Why is that? Well, you know, it was a little bit of a of a long and winding road. Uh, I, I, most people think, you know, what's a jazz singer doing in Nashville, the country music capital of the world? Um, but like I said, it was really songs that attracted me to Nashville and the storytelling aspect of it. And when I got to Nashville, uh, I realized that, um, you know, I really had to search for my own artist voice, which was a totally different voice than the songwriter voice. And I went through a few iterations. You know, I did some uh, country. I did a little bit of pop and rock. And I found my way into jazz uh, through songwriting, uh, of all things. Um, I, I, I started to realize that the things that I grew up on, my mom was very much into the old school standards. She played piano and my sense of melody and harmony and music came from sort of the great American songbook. And I said, I wonder what would have happened if I tried to write a jazz song. 
Hmm. Um, Because I'd never done that before. I was writing much more commercial-oriented songs for, you know, pop culture in the modern day at the time. And I I took a stab at it, and um, I just started having a ball, and I loved it. And I was like, I think that... I think that what I'm supposed to do is write some of these, uh, you know, jazz-oriented uh, melodic things. And that's sort of how I found my way into jazz. It wasn't an initial, um, you know, a path at first. It took me a few years to kind of navigate my way. But I would say that Nashville and songwriting were the, were the methods and the lanes that led me to it. And perhaps putting on that red gown and laying on the top of a piano and just kind of feeling the vibe that, yes, you have that sultry, breathy voice that every jazz singer has had, and suddenly you're a superstar. Good for you. Tell me how you've used this influence, your amazing influence and talent to... uh, to change the world specifically with Habitat for Humanity. Let's talk about how you got involved with that and your magnificent theme song that they used for their uh, international advertising and promotional campaign. Well, thank you. Um, Yeah, well, you know, coinciding with some of the things that I had just mentioned, you know, it was by being in Nashville and, um, you know, sort of pursuing this jazz songwriting thing, I got asked to be a part of a build with Habitat. We built 10 houses in five days, uh, which I didn't think was possible. And um, wor- the Whirlpool Corporation came in and they donated all the appliances for all these homes and they brought in 300 volunteers from around the country. And we were building alongside of them and the people that were running the build said, we hear you're a singer-songwriter and we would love to have you sing a song uh, of your choosing for the key ceremony when we give the keys to these 10 partner families uh, on Friday. And uh, they, they dug foundations on Sunday, and by Friday they were giving keys to these people's first home. It was incredible. And I said I'd be honored, but I don't know if my little jazz songs are going to cut it for such a poignant event, you know, to mark such a profound occasion in, in their lives and to celebrate the work that we had all done that week. So I kind of went to work after the build each night and started writing this song, it was based upon the experience I was having. And A House of Home, which is the name of the song, sort of was born out of that process. And by Friday morning, um, I had the song done, and I went in there and I performed it. And I thought it was just going to be for that event. And the people at Habitat for Humanity International were present at the, uh, at the uh, key ceremony. And they said that that song really embodies our work's mission and our message and we were wondering if you might be interested in partnering with us and lending us the song uh, wow. for all of our public service announcements. So that's how that happened. And it was really, it's really been a gratifying and wonderful experience. So the message to all of our listeners is, regardless if you're a songwriter or not, just keep working your talent. Keep, keep, keep getting yourself out there. Visibility, visibility, visibility in charitable events. And it's amazing how like minds and like hearts seem to coagulate and gravitate to one another. And therefore you meet somebody who's on your same level of service before self. And look what, look what happened because of that. It's an amazing song. A house becomes a home. I still remember one of my favorite parts of your lyric. That's where love lives. And I haven't heard that song for, for, for a long, long time. But isn't that interesting that that one line still jumps out, babe. It's so cool the difference you've made in my life and in the lives of everyone else. Let's quickly shift gears. You uh, 
You're part of a group that you and Monty have created called Troubadour 77. And we're going to talk a little teeny bit about that before, I mean, after we come back from the commercial break. But before the commercial break, what I want you to do is tell us about this magnificent song off of your own album called Half the Heart. Tell us just in in brevity how you came up with this song. Why did you write it? And then we need to go right to listening to your magnificent performance of this song. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I wrote it for the Troubadour 77 Project. Um, It was inspired by... Uh, my relationship with Monty, who you met earlier in the in the program, um, my my father died young, and my mom was left to remain. And um, I said, "Mom, you know, are you ever going to remarry? Are you ever going to get out there again?" And she's like, "You know, no, I I think I'm I'm good." And I kind of sat with that for a few years and thought, "Hmm, okay." And um, a few years later came by, and Monty and I were celebrating our 15th wedding anniversary. And I wrote the song actually for him because I got to a place in my life, uh, I guess as you get older, where I realized I I get what my mom's saying. And I think that, you know, God forbid, if Monty were to go before me, um, I think I'm good. (laughs) I think I'm good. And that's what this song is about. It's about waiting uh, till you cross over to the other side and you get to be reunited with the one you love. Wow. So special. (laughs) I'm teared. Cheered up. So, uh, I know. Monty cried, too. He's like, uh, how could you write me a song for our anniversary that's making me cry so much? And I'll be doing 
Where the fire divides the dark Need me standing there Standing there with half the heart You're listening to Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Dan Clark, your host. The show is called The Art of Significance. That was a magnificent performance by hit songwriter Anna Wilson, Half the Heart. Anna, how do we download that? How do we get in touch with you? How do we download Monty's songs and everything that you and uh, Monty are about? Give us some quick information on how to get in touch with you and download all of your songs, not just that magnificent hit. Thank you so much. Well, you can visit us, um, search our names at iTunes, Monty Powell or Anna Wilson. You can also search Troubadour 77, um, Troubadour77.com and AnnaWilson.com, MontyPowell.com. All right. We're coming back with uh, Anna right after commercial break. Do not go anywhere. She's got another powerful song called River of No Return that you don't want to miss. We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop down a line via email to danclark at xmission.com. Now back to The Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Welcome back. Our guest is Anna Wilson, hit songwriter and uh, writing partner with superstar Monty Powell. What a powerful uh, power couple, double entendre there. 
And I wish I could talk to you all day long. I'm definitely going to have you back. Obviously, we'll be recurring guests, you and Monty. Let's cut right to the chase of another hit song that is so appropriate coming out of this Memorial Day weekend. We just listened to Half the Heart. What a story behind that. Can you tell us a little bit about why and how you wrote this next hit called River of No Return? Sure. Um, well, I've always seen the river and as a metaphor uh, for the journey of life. And the river flows one way, and you don't really get to go back. Um, and so when we're born, we jump in the river, and we flow one way, and along the river, we do lose people that we love. And um, this song is about staying connected to those people while we're all along the river of life on either side. Wow, so appropriate coming out of Memorial Day weekend. Again, as we said in the onset of the show, it's not a Memorial Day celebration. It has nothing to do with the sales in our favorite stores. It's an experience. We need to reflect on those whom we have lost, whom we love, those whom we miss, and especially our military men and women who have given the ultimate sacrifice. Let's go right to this song, Anna Wilson's performance of her own song, River of No Return. Chickling t- 
friend of mine. That was Anna Wilson <clears throat> with her hit song, River of No Return. You're listening to voiceamerica.com, the influencers channel. This is Dan Clark, the program, The Art of Significance, interviewing superstars and figuring out how they're influencing the world, how they're using their platforms to influence the world. Anna, thanks for being my guest. Monty, thanks for being my guest. One more time, listeners need to know how to download these magnificent songs we've heard today and keep in touch with you. Find out where you're performing with Troubadour 77, your new band. Can you give us the contact information one more time? Yes, um, uh, www.troubadour77.com and go to tour on the webpage and it'll give you all the information on where we're playing this summer. All right, and downloading your tunes, you go to iTunes and you you look up Monty Powell, M-O-N-T-Y-P-O-W-E-L-L and Anna Wilson, that's two N's, A-N-N-A-W-I-L-S-O-N, right? That's correct, yes. And let's break the bank. I want everybody who's listening to actually download these three songs so we can, uh, you know, allow Monty and Anna to continually uh, make a difference in our world and have the, the wherewithal to just be the good, clean, pure, powerful, positive angels you've always been in my life. We love you. Well, thank you. We love you, too. Thanks, Anna. Thanks, Thanks Anna. Monty. You all have a you great bet. day. We'll, we'll have you back on soon. Thanks. You bet. Let's go to Bye-bye. let's go to let's go to commercial break. Before we do, do not move a muscle. Bill Schuffenhauer grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah, where his mother was a prostitute and drug addict who was often beaten in front of him. He had to steal, eat from trash cans, and was arrested for breaking into a bicycle store trying to steal something to sell for food. He became an Olympic silver medal bobsledding champion. We will hear his story. We will hear his story. He's a dear, dear friend, Bill Scheffenhauer. Let's go to commercial break and come on back. Hear the stories. Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Become a member of voiceamerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. 
We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop down a line via email to Clark at xmission.com. Now back to The Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Just coming off of our first two segments on music and how music influences our lives to take action and serve our fellow men and women. Yeah, that guitar solo, that intro is me on the guitar back in 1983 when I recorded my very first album. Wish I could play like that now, but I'm inspired by songwriters and it's so wonderful to now segue into the most inspirational story I've heard in many, many years. And as a inspirational, motivational speaker, it's my honor to not only introduce an Olympic superstar, an American hero, but just one of my great buddies, one of my great friends. Bill Schuffenhauer grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah, as I said right before the break, where his mother was a prostitute and drug addict who was often beaten in front of him. He had to steal heat from trash cans and was arrested for breaking into a bicycle store trying to steal something to sell for food. Bill drank and smoked, and his friends were in street gangs. His mother was often evicted, and he lived in multiple foster homes. Schuffenauer's grandmother eventually took him in as he started junior high school, where he grew to love track and field and persevered to become an Olympic decathlete. Yeah, that's the 10-event event. event. (laughs) The 10-event event in track and field that basically knights you as the world's greatest athlete. In 1992, Bill won the junior nationals. But in 2000, Bill suffered a brutal ankle injury that ended that that Olympic dream. And while recovering, he went to watch the bobsledding team practice. And because of his size, yeah, he's six feet tall, 200 pounds, lean, six-pack ladies, stud muffin, hunk of burning love, Italian stallion. And because of his size and strength, Bill was invited to train with the bobsledding team. If you're going to believe that, I mean, talk about just getting yourself out there and affiliating with champions and seeing what happens. Although not originally slated to be a team member, Bill was promoted when one of the Olympic team members tested positive for steroids and his four-man team went on to win a silver medal at the 2002 Olympic Winter Games. Bill Schaffenhauer, welcome to my show. Talk to me, baby. How are you? <laughs> well, first and foremost, Dan, thank you very much for having me on. I love you to death. And, uh, you know, when Dan says uh, we're definitely true true blue friends, we are. We've, we've known each other for several years, and uh, it's been great to uh, have you also as my inspiration in life as well. So thank you very much. Well, that's great. You know, I've been a fan of Michael Bolton, the great songster, the great crooner. He's a class human being. I want to have him on the show one of these days because of the difference he makes. His charities focus on domestic violence and women's issues. And yet, Bill and I, we uh, actually played in Michael Bolton's golf tournament two years in a row. I think I've, I've played in it three times, and I think you've played in it four times, right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, and, and what a great tournament. Um, you know, like you said, Michael Bolton's such a 
such a wonderful person and he gives a lot, um, you know, not, not just in the community, but, uh, nationwide, he does a lot for a lot of people and just thankful to be, uh, you know, invited to that uh, golf tournament, you know, several times and be a part of such an, an amazing group of people that go out there and support his uh, program. Yep. And, and as both of us live here in Utah, it's fun to see you at other charitable events, giving and giving and giving. You're just so visible and so generous with your time and with your talents. Thanks so much, brother. Let's talk about your story. Uh, that's from your bio. So I know I'm not throwing your mother under the yeah. bus, but talk to us a little <laughs> bit about your upbringing, your background, how your grandmother used her influence as a grandmother, as a maternal grandmother to help you pull your head out and kind of hold you to the fire and say, wait a minute, you got to stay in bounds and play by the rules and get up each time you're knocked down. Talk to us about your story. Yeah. You know, you know, starting with my grandma, she's such an amazing person and you know, she continues to be, uh, you know, a, a big inspiration in my life because she definitely went above and beyond and out of her way to be there for, you know, not only me, but also my sister, um, you know, when she was retired and single and, you know, <clears throat> wanted to be you know, retired and single and not, not become a mom over and over again. But, you know, again, she went out of her way and she noticed like, you know, her grandson that uh, was living with my mom at the time and, uh, as you mentioned, you know, over the years, um, just, you know, seeing all the different things and, you know, I, I definitely don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, I'm, I'm talking poorly about my mom because I, I love my mom to death. And, you know, if it wasn't for some of the things that she did, uh, you know, I wouldn't have been able to become the man I am today. But, uh, you know, fortunately and unfortunately we, you know, we had to experience a lot of those things with, you know, the different, uh, you know, prostitution, the drug addiction, um, you know, being evicted out of our house, um, different foster homes, and, um, you know, being able to run free like a wild animal on the streets of Salt Lake City. Um, you know, and, and um, for me, that was just like the normal lifestyle back then, and um, I didn't know anything different. And, um, you know, at one point in time, you know, from bouncing around, you know, from foster homes to the streets to my mom to my grandma, um, here and there, uh, at one point in time, um, my grandma moved up to uh, Roy, Utah, which is a little community up north of Salt Lake. And um, that was kind of my first experience of going to a school that just didn't have a lot of uh, issues and troubles. And you know, that's when I really noticed other kids in the school that just looked like they were happy all the time, and uh, which was very different for me because, as, uh, as you know, we're talking about, as you said, this gang banging and running the streets and doing dr drugs at a, and drinking at a young age, um, all, all at the same time with my, my mom and my stepdad. And, um, you know, from that point, um, you know, long, start, long story short, I just uh, came to realize that, uh, you know, at some point in time I'm going to have to grow up and, you know, want to have kids and a family of my own. And I, I wanted to definitely provide my, my family, my kids with a, uh, more opportunities than I was provided as a young kid and um, got this great idea to uh, try and try and do something different. And, uh, you know, as I, as, as you know, Dan, I always talk about changing my stars based off of the, uh, that movie, A Night's Tale and mm. just do something that, you know, no one is really expecting me to do. Um, you know, cause it, you know, even people in my family, you know, said, Hey, I'm, you know, you're the black sheep of the family. You're never going to amount to anything. You know, if you, uh, if you're not dead by the age of 16, we'd be really surprised or in prison. Um, so I just really wanted to, uh, do something different. And, 
at the time, you know, back then, prove everyone wrong. And, you know, looking at it now, it was just, you know, me proving myself right. And so I was trying to figure out, uh, you know, what, what, uh, where, where do I fit in, um, you know, in, in a junior high other than, you know, not flunking out or getting in trouble or getting kicked out of school, what I was, uh, which was normal back then. And, um, you know, from, from living the street life and running from cops and, and, and all that stuff, <laughs> came to realize that I was, uh, it was a good fit, uh, you know, trying out for track and field and, you know, running from the cops and jumping fences and all that crazy stuff back then. And, you know, that actually, that actually made you strong and fast, eh? It did. (laughs) It's, uh, you know, it's always, it's, it's same thing like you and I do. It's always turning those negative things in life into a positive. And so just figuring out what that was, you know, was key for me. And so, um, you know, eventually just started finding a passion and, and something to occupy my time um, outside of school and stuff like that. And, um, you know, just okay. was naturally really good at it. And uh, when I ended up uh, moving from junior high to uh, high school, the uh, coaches, um, we, you know, my coach, uh, unfortunately, uh, who just passed away, Neville, we called him Neville the Devil, but such a huge inspiration and, and a, a huge reason, reason for, for me to, um, for me doing what I've done. And, um, but they, you know, they approached me and they said, Hey, we noticed you did like the hundred meters long jump the discus, you know, all these different events that just made no sense to the normal person. And they said, you know, we think you'd be a good fit for this event called the decathlon. And as you mentioned before the break, you know, it's the uh, two day event competed over, um, you know, 10 events and, uh, considered like the, you know, the, the best athlete in the world. And, um, talking about, uh, you know, competing, you know, all these events and, uh, being one of the best athletes in the world. Um, you know, that was basically me wanting to change my stars. And that was the, uh, the idea behind that. And so, you know, I just went all for it and one thing led to another and things continued to go really well. So, that's awesome, man. That's so amazing. So I want to know something. <clears throat> how do you um, how do you deal with with this this huge influx of misdiagnosed children with ADD, ADHD? Because you know, you and I had a kind of a, a, a similar experience, not running from the law and and, and growing up in a, in a tougher environment, but trying to stay focused, trying to figure out a way for people to believe that we actually do have self-discipline, that we can turn our talents into dreams and make those dreams turn into reality. Tell me about that. How did you, how did you go from this undisciplined, wild man running the streets of Salt Lake City, in your own words, to this disciplined athlete that had to take care of his body and actually wake up early and stay up late to pursue your dream? Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it obviously started off with, um, you know, w- realizing that I, I just wanted to provide a uh, better opportunity for my kids. And when I started getting involved with, like, athletics and stuff like that, um, I just found a different venue uh, for me to kind of direct, like, my, I guess, you know, my my energy, if you will. You know, from, you know, running the streets and hanging out in gangs and all that stuff to, 
you know, being part of a team and actually having discipline and actually having goals and stuff like that. Um, and then once I got a taste of success of going to like some of these small track meets in junior high and high school and doing well and winning, um, that just kind of really, that was a, like a platform to continue to launch that idea of, of being something better and continue on. Wow. Um, so you're, you know, so even though your even though your grandmother didn't really know what it was called and perhaps your coaches wouldn't <clears throat> call it what I call it. I'm a huge fan of racehorses, of thoroughbred racehorses. You know, Secretariat, I have my picture on my phone with American Pharaoh, the last Triple Crown winner. When you train a thoroughbred racehorse, you don't break his spirit. You just break him to the point of submissiveness so he can use his talents and his ability and his DNA to become everything that he was born to be. So that's really your story. Someone saw yeah. in you something that you didn't see in yourself, and they just basically took your talents and and passion and redirected them from negative to positive, which means if it can happen to you and me, it can happen to anybody. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. So um, what would you what would you advise parents who have children right now listening in or the parents who are listening in who happen to have children who perhaps are not staying in bounds and playing by the rules? What would you say to them? You know, it's 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 hard, it's difficult because um, you, you have, uh, you know, these kids that you don't, uh, it's, it's frustrating for them because they don't understand, um, you know, what's going on and, uh, what they're dealing with and stuff like that. And so, you know, they just get, they just get frustrated and, and they, they want to try and solve, I guess, the problem. Um, but there's not really, you know, it, it's not really a problem. I was like, you know, for, for me, you know, we reflect back. You know, one of one of the stories I always tell is um, talking about like my mom. You know, and and for years and years and years, I tried to get my mom to you know stop doing drugs and stop running the streets and stop doing all these things. And it wasn't until like the 2002 Olympics, after I had success there, that I was like, okay, well, I don't, you know, I I can't force my mom. You know, just like these parents, they can't force their kids or whoever it is that they're working with to make these changes, you know. And I started just, like, taking a position of being a role model to my mom and saying, hey, like, you know, just letting her know all the good things that I was doing and um, how successful I was and not really forcing on her. Um, again, just being a role model instead of trying to really force the issue. And you see that, you know, you know, with so many different people, they, they try and force, you know, hey, force the kids to change, force them to do this, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, and, you know, all, all you can do really, from, from my point of view, is try and, and get them the help that they need, um, but not really try and force them to do anything that they're not really ready to do. Because when somebody's ready to make those changes, it's definitely up to them to make those changes. And, you know, and sadly enough, you can't really make them change, so. Yeah, wow. So talk about your transition into the silver medal. What was that Olympic experience like, and how have you used that platform to influence the world and especially be that role model for young men and young women that you've always been, for your, not, not just for us, but apparently for your family, for your sister, for your mom? Um, you know, the, uh, winning the, the Olympic medal, obviously, along with my stories, has given me a, a lot of opportunities 
Um, you know, because there are so many other kids out there that grew up very similar to how I did, um, running the streets, gang banging, doing drugs, um, alcohol and all those things. But, um, you know, it's, it's given me an opportunity to, um, speak, you know, across the U S, um, you know, as well as locally here, going to youth groups, um, different foster care groups, um, youth detention groups, and just talking to them about like, you know, I, I was actually in their position and, um, you know, if <laughs> I always say it cause it's, to me, it's super simple, but I know it's a lot of hard work, but if, you know, if, if someone like me was able to do it, then any of those, you know, kids could do it. Um, you know, my, my most, I guess my most rewarding time is, uh, you know, when I get to go to like some of the youth detention groups and I see all these kids that are locked up, um, for some of the same things that I dealt with as a youth and, you know, start telling them, you know, really in depth about my story and they, they really click and they understand it because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking their language and so on and so on. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I'm not saying I can change, you know, everybody out there, but for them to, I guess, see somewhat of a light of hope that there's something better um, you know, is, is basically, you know, why I do what I do, why, you know, you know, trying to help these kids or even adults. So you're you amazing, know, can, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. So yeah, how, I appreciate it. So, so give us an email where listeners could contact you, maybe get an autographed picture of you. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking really seriously about putting your pretty mug on the cover of my books and they'll start selling so much better than, than than they ever have so every single lady and every guy and gal out there every parent who has a child who needs inspiration needs a way to keep in touch with you give us some contact info excuse um, me yeah you know probably the best way to uh, contact me um would just be uh via email um and that email is just silver one retreat um, the number one is an actual number, um, retreats with the S on the end at gmail.com. So silver one retreats at gmail.com. Um, probably best way to get a hold of me. That's good. Cause they'll never be able to spell your last name. S C H U F F E N H A U E R. You don't know how many times yeah. I had to practice that just before I ran into you on the golf course. I'm like, yeah, I might as well just say Bill. <laughs> I know I always feel bad for my kids because they have to spell that now and people always ask me like how'd you do that in, in elementary and stuff I'm like you know I don't even remember but uh, I always well, just, my, my kids <clears throat> seem to not have a problem with it so just tell them it's Portuguese for stud muffin and they'll get over it you know there's <laughs> ways to do that okay ladies and gentlemen the famous the the, the in, in, incredible Bill Schuffenhauer, I love you, brother. You know that. We'll get together in the next couple of weeks, and I want to have you back on our show. you got some stories that everybody needs to hear. You've given hope to parents with wayward children. You've given hope to all of us. You're using your platform to influence the world for good. And if nothing else, Bill Schuffenhauer, as a Olympic champion and superstar human being, has dreams for sale, and I hope you do too. This is Dan Clark, voiceofamerica.com, the Influencers Channel, my show, The Art of Significance. We're going to commercial break. Don't go anywhere. My last guest for the day is Ernest B. Hewlett, my buddy, Ernie Hewlett. 
who for more than 35 years of experience in the financial services industry is the financial advisor to superstar athletes. He's going to come back and talk to us about how we leave that financial legacy once we take our last breath. It's Memorial Day weekend at the end of the weekend. Let's go to commercial break and I'll I'll, I'll be back here in a moment. the stories be motivated be inspired join us today voice america influencers become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. it's easy and best of all it's free start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top once you've created an account and signed in you can create your own custom library opt into our newsletter Search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Influence is often inherited, but more often created from our actions. The Voice America Influencers Channel brings together those who are creating and leading the way and those who will create the road from nowhere in the future. Being an influencer isn't always about being the most important person in the world. It's about being the most influential person in the world around you. A better manager, a better friend, a better marketer, or strategic planner. The Voice America Influencers Channel is about becoming better and earning influence. Be an influencer. Join us today. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop down a line via email to Clark at xmission.com. Now back to The Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Welcome back. Hope you've enjoyed the show today. We still have one magnificent guest that we're going to get to in a moment. Yes, you can drop me a line at that email, but I want you to go to my website, danclark.com, and I want you to click on Receive Free Gifts and Training so you can join my tribe, and we'll stay in touch. Remember, I remind everyone in every show that we become the average of the five people we associate with the most, which means we must be willing to pay any price and travel any distance to associate with extraordinary human beings, even on the internet. Brings me to this guest. And I knew I was going to cheer up when I was going to introduce him. Let me just give you a little backdrop on my buddy, Ernie Hewlett. Has more than 35 years of experience in the financial services industry. Acquired all insurance licenses and five securities licenses by the age of 25. 
my brother, my younger brother is one of the smartest people on our planet. And he clearly says that those security licenses tests are the hardest tests he's ever taken. MBA genius. And Ernie, he, uh, he passed all five. He got his five securities licenses by the young age of 25. He's built three agencies to become the top agencies in the United States of America, representing multi-billion, that's with a B, dollar companies. He served as Utah State General Agents and Managers Association President, Utah State Insurance and Financial Advisors President, and is the chair of the International Million Dollar Roundtable Charitable Foundation Allocations Committee. Ernie's a great speaker. I kind of feel competition every time I'm on a program with him because he's been the main platform speaker at the prestigious Grant Taggart Symposium and the leadership forum of the National NAIFA meeting. Big time deal when you're in the financial services business. He's a founding member of the financial services arm of the Marriott School of Management at BYU, founding member of the NBA Utah Jazz 100 Club. Go Jazz, keep Hayward here. He served two terms as district president chair, Boy Scouts of America, and something that a lot of folks don't know about him, he served two volunteer church missions in Australia and Brazil. He he speaks fluent Portuguese. My buddy Ernie is married to a magnificent Colleen, another dear, dear friend, class human being, and he's married with five children and six granddaughters. Ernie is a financial advisor to the superstars, especially athletes who demand such service and such high caliber advice. Welcome to my radio show, brother. I want to talk to to you about your life, about your ups and downs to inspire our listeners because the whole show is on the influencers channel and you clearly have influenced more people on this planet than anybody I know being that class human being that you are and that financial genius. Ernie Hewlett, talk to me, brother. Well, Dan, it's it's an honor to be on your show. You're one of my heroes, uh, one of my dear friends, and someone that um, I can't be around and not want to be better. Um, if there's a great compliment I can give to anyone, uh, when I'm around you, I laugh, I cry, and I recommit myself to being a better human being. And uh, you exemplify everything that you preach and the way that you uh-huh. live. So it's an honor to be with you today, Dan. You're kind, brother. I want the listeners to know something. Um I went to high school, and and Ernie's older brother was my hero. He used to launch 40- and 50-foot basketball shots before they even counted as a three-pointer. And I still remember sitting in the gym watching that. And I was the outstanding sophomore athlete in my school, the outstanding junior athlete in my high school, the outstanding senior athlete in my school, the outstanding athlete in the school. And as a young man, I had just set my sights on winning the Christensen Hewlett Memorial Award, which basically was the greatest honor that any athlete could receive at my East High School. And let's talk about the background of that award, Ernie, because that's where you and I first were connected by name only until I met you as a man. I'd love to share a little bit, especially around Memorial Day, um, you know, the, the, the legacy um, that my older brother left is a legacy that goes on. Uh, Dan, I don't know if you're aware of this, but they just uh, will be giving out that award for the 52nd time this summer. Wow. And right before my mother passed away a couple of years ago, it was the 50th anniversary, and they invited her uh, to come and participate in that. 
and then she passed away just three or four months later. So that was a tremendous uh, gift for her to uh, realize that even 50 years later, uh, there's still um, a tribute to these two young men. But their story is, is pretty simple. Um, he and his best friend, uh, uh, Fleming Christensen, uh, were tremendous athletes, but tremendous students, tremendous human beings. And um, at the age of 17, um, they were uh, picked uh, as the preseason favorite to win the state uh, championship in basketball. Uh, Fleming was an All-American, uh, parade All-American football player. Bear Bryant was uh, trying to recruit Fleming. And Lynn was uh, basketball, baseball. Fleming was basketball and football. And Fleming was the center on the team, and and, um, and Lynn played between uh, power forward and small forward, two great, big, handsome young men. Um, and so, anyway, they had been practicing ball and, and were on their way home. It was preseason. Uh, like I said, they were picked as the number one team in the state going into the season. And on their way home, three of them were in a car um, – my father won on the Price is Right of all crazy things, um, but it was a, a, a smaller car, sort of those old surf station wagons with the paneling on the side, and, and these boys were going to meet up with some friends and had a car full of friends behind them, and um, they were right at the mouth of Parley's Canyon, where you go up to Park City and Snowbird, and, and uh, not Snowbird, but Deer Valley, some of the best skiing on the planet, and um, as they were coming around this bend at the mouth of Parley's Canyon, uh, before they had the dividers on the, on the highway, uh, a drunk driver passed out at the wheel and uh, hit them head on. They they never knew really what hit them. Um, all I can say is the car behind them had the senior class president, and uh, as they got to the scene of the car, my my brother was uh, pretty much uh, decapitated. And uh, Fleming, this huge, uh, 240-pound, six-foot-six uh, Danish boy, um, the first people to the car said Fleming had his arms around my brother Lynn and was saying, get my friend, get my friend, and was trying to pull him out of the window. And literally, they died in each other's arms. Um, mm. What makes the story a little bit unique is um, – they proceeded to lose the next few games the team played without two of their starting players. And then the team came to the mothers of both the boys, my mother Peggy and, and Fleming's uh, mother Gerda and uh, Gerda Christensen and, and um, basically said, if, if you'll come to our games, we're going to dedicate the season to the boys. And initially the moms were a little hesitant, a little emotional and and they made a commitment, yeah, we'll, we'll come to your games. And um, from there on, Dan, they went undefeated and won the state tournament. They said there were times that they were playing seven on five. <laughs> these two boys were uh, literally um, a part of those teams. And um, very miraculous, as you know, when you lose some of your best talent to be able to come together and rededicate yourselves basically on a mission. Uh, yep. to leave a legacy and a tribute to two of their best friends. Well, and that's why I was so brokenhearted when I didn't receive, I didn't win the Christensen Hewlett Memorial. And that's just been one of my regrets my whole life. What a story. How did that affect your family financially, emotionally? Yeah, let me, let me 
take it back just a hair. Um, our, our family had a 87 year old family business. It started in 1876. And we've got some of the old soda bottles that are etched in that big, thick glass. You can throw it against a window and it won't break. Um, and it, it went back to 1876 and up until about 1963 through three generations of my family, highly successful. They were some of the first in the Intermountain West to preserve fruit, uh, to do jams and jellies. They had their own, uh, brands and labels on syrups, punches, and mince meat on down to many other products. Um, grandpa was, uh, it started with my great grandpa, Orson Hewlett, and then my grandfather, Lester Hewlett Sr., uh, was the successor, and then my father, Lester Jr., followed in the footsteps. Um, after 87 years old, uh, 87 years of quality products, grandpa died suddenly. And without much warning, my father was uh, given one year's severance pay and uh, was basically unemployed. Um, in his mid-40s, um, he had served the Mormon mission. He was the first missionary to spend winter in Alaska with his companion. And then uh, he had gone to war, served in World War II, only to think uh, that, you know, this hot, hugely successful business at that time they would have been peers with the Marriotts, um, John Marriott Jr., who became the governor and ambassador um, and is very visible, ran for president, actually lived in my grandfather's home. Uh, wow. It was built at the peak of the Depression. So Grandpa wow. built the home in 1935. Wow. And as I was reading the corporate minutes, it said, Lester, we're not lending money to anyone, but for you, um, you know, anything you need. Um, so basically, 87 years of wealth, butlers, maids, huge mansion, uh, to my father, one year severance because there was no succession planning. And wow. um, we lost four generations of our family, Orson Lester Sr., Lester Jr., and my brother Lynn, uh, all were killed or died within 23 years of each other. Wow, that's, that's amazing. So how did you get into the financial <clears throat> services business? Basically, we were inspired by the loss of a family business. Um, after the business was lost, my dad got one year severance. Uh, he did missionary work and, and eked out a living, but was really struggling. He did have a great education and had lived in a very upper middle class to high middle class lifestyle. And now he was unemployed, uneducated, and and pretty much unmarketable. And um, so mom went to work, uh, fell in love with her boss, and um, married, um, divorced my father. Our family was broken apart, and I was 17 years old. I was at East High, senior in high school, student body president, playing baseball, basketball, thinking I was going to have the greatest year of my life, and, and basically it was the most challenging year of my life due to lack of financial resources uh, wow. because the family business had no succession plan and didn't have the capital uh, to pay the estate taxes and do the succession planning necessary uh, to keep this vibrant business going. So you started, so out of your own experience, you said, how can I serve others so that they don't have to experience what you're experiencing? Very much so. My, my older brother, John, um, uh, good friend of yours also, um, 
John started in the life insurance business and and uh, we were eight years apart in age and, and uh, I was serving a Mormon mission in Brazil and he kept writing me, when you get home, we're going to start Hewlett Brothers Financial Corporation. <laughs> Uh, basically a legacy to the Hewlett Brothers Jams and Jelly uh, family business, but our goal was going to make sure that the, this didn't happen to others. And um, and we got involved early with the Utah Jazz. They were going through some real challenges and staying in Salt Lake, and uh, the original owner who brought the Jazz from New Orleans, <laughs> Sam Battistone, uh, we created some uh, really creative ways to help him double the attendance in the arena, as well as taking over the succession, key man planning, the buy-sell agreements, and much of the advanced planning of the athletes and the team. Yeah, and that's why you have the reputation in the Intermountain West to take amazing care of superstar athletes who we all know are prima donnas used to having everything taken care of, and you step up and say, I can take care of you at an even higher level Congratulations on all these years of success. As we start winding down, Ernie, can you help us understand? I'm sure so many of our listeners were in your predicament. Oh my gosh, there's no succession planning. What do I do? Maybe a widow's on the line listening, saying, wait a minute, my husband just passed away and I don't know what I'm going to do. What can we as presiders, protectors, and providers, the classic stereotypical male role model definition do to take better care of our families, and what can we, uh, as as mothers, as wives, as working women, do to also uh, protect our family and to create this legacy so that everybody has the experience that I had when my dad passed away. I was at my mother's home when the death benefit check was delivered from her life insurance sales professional, and it allowed her to stay in her home and allowed her to sustain her level of of life that she was accustomed to. Can you take us back in just the next few minutes? Let us get back to basics. Teach us what we need to do, one, two, three, and four, uh, to yeah. leave this legacy coming off of Memorial Day. I have death on my mind. Everyone does. But I, when I die, I don't want people, I want people to miss me, not what I did and the money that I was able to bring into the home. Teach us, brother. Yeah, just just real quick. One one example was a dear uh, friend of mine. He was 22 years old, just married. Uh, his wife was pregnant, ready to have a baby. Um, he had started a small development company. His dad was one of the prominent uh, construction people in in our whole area. And um, he came in. He said, "Ernie, I've got ten thousand dollars. I want to invest." Uh, we did a basic financial plan. Basically, you set goals, you prioritize those goals, you create a plan of action. Goals like what, brother? Let me interrupt. Goals like what? Like How are you going to pay for your children's education? How are you going to pay for your children's yeah. dance lessons, right? Yeah, you basically do some fact-finding uh, questions. You fill out questionnaires. You go over what their priorities are. Um, what you find with a lot of salespeople, they're trying to sell a one-size-fits-all uh, but if you went to a doctor, he wouldn't start prescribing you uh, prescriptions until he had analyzed your body and talked to you and found out what's working, what's not working, uh, what are your, your main issues. So as financial services people, we have to do uh, the, the, the diagno diagnostic uh, part of it before we should start making any kind of recommendations. 
Um, and so we go through that process. Uh, some people, their priority may be educations for their children and grandchildren. Some people, the only priority they can see right now is to pay off a home and to leave income if they were to die, especially a single mother, you know, to have... Uh, you, you've got to set up some wills and trusts, make sure you've got guardianship. If you were to die with younger children, that you're putting their future in the hands of someone that's going to be responsible and give them every opportunity that you would like them to do. So there's a planning process. There's a goal-setting process. And then you get to priorities. Maybe you can't afford everything you want in your goal process based on your current economics. And that's when you have to sort of take them one at a time. Sort of if you're getting out of debt, you've got a credit card at 12% and, and your house is at four, you don't pay your house off. You get rid of that 12% before you start working on the 4% interest working against you. So um, a lot of what we do is we, we try and show people that there are ways to solve problems. One of the, the magic uh, things of life insurance, and we do full investments and a lot of other complicated planning. But life insurance, you can take pennies and create dollars, and it creates tremendous leverage. There are tax benefits. You can give it to your heirs tax-free. You can set it up in trust. Uh, one of the things my grandfather did is he set up a whole corporation that owns a valley up in a beautiful mountain area, and that's held our family together because we have this valley in trust. It brings us together to keep family values together. We think of our heritage. My grandpa also put some little caveats in his planning that if you went to college, you got a little stipend. If you went on a mission, you got a little stipend. You know, he, he showed us the priorities he had in his life and what was important to him. And so even though he was dead when I'm in Brazil serving other people, uh, every month, Grandpa was helping support that effort in Brazil, and I felt this incredible bond to a grandfather I hardly knew that died when I was three years old. So um, there's tremendous planning we could do. In, in, in the, the, the scenario I was saying earlier, uh, they came to me and I said, well, you know, his name happened to be Doug Bailey, and, and, and I said, Doug, would you ever uh, build a home and not put footings and foundations under that structure? He said, well, heavens no. And and I said, well, we can take $64 and create a strong footing and foundation that if something were to happen to you, you couldn't get out of bed and work if you were killed suddenly or if you lived too long, that footing and foundation will continue to be there forever. And, and he was saying, well, I want to invest. I don't need insurance. I'm a young kid. And, and we took $64, Dan, and um, did, the, did his planning, invested everything except that 64 the rest of the 10000 And within a week, Doug Bailey was in a car crash. And because we had put the footings and foundation under his structure, his financial future, uh, his wife Darcy and their little baby ended up having a home paid for, uh, income for life, college education, and it was such a small percentage. We're talking 6%, uh, less than 6%. It was on 10 grand. So it was, it was $70 as to 10 grand that created millions of dollars worth of resources. Um, part of that was a buy-sell. His partner said, well, my brother's an attorney. Let's get the agreement. Then we'll fund it. And my comment to Richard Anderson is I said, if you've got a lot of money and no agreement, 
you'll be okay. If you've got a lot of agreement and no money, it's going to be tough. Let's put this thing in force and we'll get the agreement. Had we waited for the agreement, about a million dollars wouldn't have been available to help their business succeed and to take care of their heirs. So Ernie, we got a couple minutes left. Um, how can people get a hold of you, brother? You, uh, you, you, you have clients all over the world. You have such an amazing reputation. Maybe, it, maybe in two minutes you can describe maybe a better question, brother, is how do you use your, your love of basketball, your love of entertainment to influence others to trust you to become their financial advisor. I see that all the time. You only work with exclusive folks. I feel an honor to be part of your little uh, cadre of, of fans and clients, but teach us in, in, in one minute, one and a half minutes, how you use your love of, of sports your love of entertainment, yeah. to uh, use that as a venue to talk about the right things and have these conversations that lead to clientele. Well, we, we've made an investment in areas of, of, of things we enjoy to do. And um, I, I just spend a lot of time with the owners of the Golden State Warriors. Um, when the Jazz and the Warriors were playing, we swapped tickets. So I went up to Golden State and sat in the owner's tickets and then they come to Utah and they sit in my front row tickets. I did that also in, uh, with the Clippers. And um, what, what, what I've done is I put people in the front row and the bottom few rows of the arena. And then I have photographers actually take photos of them. So many of my clients have pictures when Kobe was playing, shooting a jump shot, and they're in the background. Or when Shaq was dunking, you know, they're in the background. LeBron James at dunk and and they're actually in the photos. And that gives us a, a starting point of, of um, just doing something we enjoy. And as part of that process, then we talk about how we do planning for high net worth people. Um, the goal is always to build an orchard and not be cutting down your trees. If you can live on the harvest and not be uh, chopping down all the trees in your orchard, that is the goal. And a, a lot of these athletes and high net worth people they go through some ups and downs, and the key is is to make sure there's stability through the downs and then mitigate those big swings of income and make sure that they're set up for life. If you make enough money, you should never have to worry about income again if you do the proper planning. Yep, and you reiterate something I've shared on this program before, that the definition of sales is the transference of trust. We only do business with those whom we love and respect. We want to do business with winners. My guest is Ernie Hewlett. How do we get a hold of you so that if someone wants to become part of your tribe and learn from you as a financial advisor, and who knows, you know, suck up in a way that they can get front row seats to the biggest <laughs> games in the NBA. How do they get a hold of you, good brother? Um, my, my email is E as in Ernie, B as in book, Hewlett, just like Hewlett Packard, H-E-W-L-E-T-T at yahoo.com, E-B-Hewlett at yahoo.com. And we're not violating And they any... really don't need to suck up, Dan. They just need no, to be no. your friend. No, you're <laughs> awesome. I've sat in those seats so many times. It's awesome when you can smell the breath 
on Steph Curry as he goes up for that three-pointer. That's a, that's, a, that's a memory that you've created for me and my family. I love you, brother. I'm going to have you back. We're going to get into the details of financial planning next time with the financial advisor to the superstars, Ernie Hewlett. Thanks for having me. This is Dan Clark. You're listening to voiceamerica.com on the Influencers Channel. It will be rebroadcast many times this work. Um, excuse me, this week. Again, it is the art of significance. Tune in, get your friends and family members to join us. Next week's guests are award-winning, Grammy award-winning songwriter Liz Rose, whom I've had on the program before, retired two-star Air Force General Don Alston. He's going to be talking about the history of D-Day. June 6th is next Tuesday, which is the anniversary of D-Day, which turned the tide of World War II. And then our business guest is going to be Chait Mask. He's the founder and CEO of Infusionsoft, who has literally changed the world of business as we know it. I love you. I appreciate you as listeners tuning in. Again, Dan Clark, Voice of America. Can't wait to tune in and have you part of my show next week. Let's go to the final commercial break and tune in next Tuesday, 12 to 2 p.m., Pacific time. God bless. Thanks for being part of the show. Be sure to join Dan Clark next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time, for another edition of The Art of Significance on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Remember, you too can achieve the level beyond success.